Okay, welcome everybody to episode four. So this is another like uh, really interesting one. I really enjoyed doing this. Uh, my mate John Corbett, proud to call him uh, one of my best friends, and uh, someone whom with I have a lot of uh, amazing conversations, uh, which you're gonna you're gonna see if you listen to this how knowledgeable he is. And uh, interestingly enough, yeah, the uh, the man who predicted the pandemic. So, um, about the only thing I have to say on the intro of this one is my apologies for the audio on my mic. Um, this was one of the earliest ones I recorded, and I should know that it was recorded back in May. So, when you hear us talking about the Australian election, it was a little while ago, yeah, and it's taken me a while to get this one up, and I had to go through the audio and chop it up and isolate my mic and all the rest of it. It's just one of those learning things that... Um, won't happen again, but on this one, my mic you'll hear is a little bit low, a little bit tinny. So yeah, um, I just bought two mics and one of them was a bit dodgy and they're directional mics and I had it kind of on the wrong setting. So anyway, I've kind of figured all that out now. So yeah, um, in this one, we uh, we talk about the pandemic, obviously, uh, how it was handled, how he predicted it. Um, we also talk about aliens, the war in Ukraine and Australian politics. So yeah, I really hope you enjoy this one. This is my mate, John Corbett. Um, but yeah, so I just want to uh, welcome uh, my good mate, John Corbett, to the podcast. Hopefully he's going to be like semi-regular. And uh, what can I say about this guy? Well, I met this guy painting on the tools, and um, he's basically one of my favourite people on the planet now. And uh, I know we don't always like, we kind of got this weird relationship where we don't always like talk all the time, but we don't always stay in touch like daily or anything. But then when we do talk, it's just like, yeah, it's like it was yesterday or whatever. And, um, you know, our lives are more busy than they should be, really. Uh, I think we were going to catch up at Christmas time and it's May, so we got close. But yeah, the reason I like this guy, this is my go-to guy when I want to a good, solid, objective opinion about world politics and um, probably one of the most knowledgeable people. You could put this guy in the room, I reckon, and wouldn't matter what people were talking about, John could hold his own. And, yeah, he's just a good, solid bloke, one of the best blokes I've ever come across. So welcome to the podcast, mate. Yeah, man. Um, I don't know if I can live up to your hype. I don't know about being one of the most knowledgeable people, you know. I mean, I'm fairly well-read. Um, and I can sort of like take get from point A to point B, but you know, I've been in rooms with smart people, and I wouldn't say I was one of them. But that's what I like about you as well, man. I like the fact that like if you don't know someone, you'll just say, "Oh, I actually, you know, I don't know." Well, that's it, man. There's uh, everything should you shouldn't really open your mouth. I, I learned a really good thing the other week. Someone told me while you're talking, you're not learning, yeah, right? Yeah. So if you're in a room full of smart people. You're going to get more out of it by sitting there and listening to what they say. I mean, I, I went to a few lectures years ago. I used to, well, you know, I'm a painter, as you've said. Um, when me and my brother were uh, working out at Murdoch University, we used to go and listen to the, some of the lectures. And yeah. we were lucky enough to, um, it was an, an author, a guy called John Pilger, who wrote The Killing Fields and a couple of other novels. You got to listen to him talking. And that's when I learned that. You listen to people talking. You're going to learn a lot more, you know. And in a conversation, it's better to be asking questions and giving answers. 
Like someone asks, if you are like you, so if I want to find out something from someone, you you throw the question out, and that's how you learn. That's a, that's why I've amassed most of my 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 stuff. You know. Yeah, well, that's what I like about because you know, as you know, right, talking. That's the reason why I'm doing a podcast. It's one of the things I enjoy doing the most, and I'm fucking pretty good at it. I reckon. Oh, yeah. I could talk the leg off a fucking iron bar, um, and the conversations that we've had, man, like working together, like. Yeah, you know, we're a bit of a wordsmith, I reckon. The way we put together conversations, you just, and the funny thing is, you can't get that from many people I've found in life, you know. So, yeah, that's quite interesting. I was going to ask you real quick have, have you, like, listened to, like, any Jordan Peterson? No, I haven't. Can't yeah. say I know the name. That dude's a fucking black belt in conversation and words. Like, it, they, I don't know how the fuck he fits all that in his head, first of all. Like, it's just fucking bullshit, the amount of, like, information and the words, but. And it's heavy going, like when you listen to him on the Rogan podcast, you've got to listen to it twice kind of thing because it's just like, it's. but he's got some interesting concepts uh, and that's what I like about him. But yeah, he's, there's a guy, um, I was going to, that's one thing I was actually going to ask you to get my questions up. What have you been listening to lately? Because when we have a chat and that's normally how we start out, what have you been listening to? What are you watching? Well, actually at the moment, I'm doing a lot of the um, American uh late night talk show host comedians now that's not a normal genre for me because you know how i'm not particularly fond of the american sort of uh society i'm not going to say the people because most of the americans i've ever met in real life have been lovely people right i don't like their administration for the better part of time but i've really like listened to guys like john oliver and, and trevor noah these are sort of their late night talk show hosts so that it's they're sort of like news shows, but they're more like political satire and they really deal with all the uh, issues of the day. So I'm actually listening to that at the moment. A bit of light relief, more or less. Okay. That's a bit different. Oh, that. No, it's um, it's not my norm, you know that. Yeah. Uh, but that's what I'm doing at the moment. I'm trying to stay away from the heavy stuff. I think the world's broken at the moment. Yeah, um, well, we'll get on to that. Yeah, well, you know, since um, uh, probably in the last six months since just before Christmas, I sort of got over the whole heavy, heavy. I still read my newspapers, you know, that I'm up at two in the morning reading the news feeds and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, so I, I'm looking for the sort of like, at the moment, what I like to listen to is, yes, I like it to be the current events. I like it to be world, what's going on. But I like the light side, the light side of it at the moment because if you take it yeah. too seriously, man, yeah, man. Oh, it, it will yeah. do your head in. Especially like, you know, you and me, since we're both blessed with a black dog, you gotta be careful how much that stuff you take in. That's sure. actually what it was, Ira. Yeah. Just I, I found my myself going into probably around about yeah, again, like November, because I just have a birthday as as usual when you start looking back on it. And mm -hmm. I found myself going in, everything was so, so negative. Yeah. And I thought to myself, you know what? I wanted to just get and of course it's always a clusterfuck for work around about that time of year for us. So, yeah. So I decided I, I want to get away from the heavy stuff for a little bit, start read, you know, reading lighter books, uh, science fiction and fantasy stuff again, and um, still to keeping up with world affairs, but not the, the, the pound, 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 not the yeah. CNN, oh, the man, Fox and all that. Like, and I checked out that shit fucking years ago, mainly just because it, it literally comes down to there's only so much you can put in and X amounts negative. Um, and my, unfortunately, like, my brain just doesn't buy into too much of that stuff. It just starts affecting me. So, like, it's been real interesting, especially the last couple of years. Like, I've been focusing 
because my meditation these days is like, man, if I could just tell anybody to do anything right, it's just practicing thinking. That's really all it is. But um, yeah, going back to like trying not to take in too much negative. So what I do is like I try and focus on gratitude because, you know, I've been listening to a lot of people and, you know, how to get better, all this kind of stuff. And so that's what I've been trying to do, just focus more on just the positive, just keep the positive coming in, try not to keep too much of the negative. But you still got to know, like, what's going on and all the rest of it, which actually brings me to COVID and something I was going to say um, <laughs> in the intro is uh, you and I had a bet about... Um, I was actually trying to work out when this was, right? And I'm, I'm thinking, like, it was, like... Like 2014, I'm thinking, 2015, around then. I worked out a rough time frame, I can't remember, but anyway, it was a while ago, long before pandemic. You and I had a bet, right? Because we used to kill time on the tools by coming up with like uh, uh, apocalypse, you know, scenarios and what would we do? And we'd spend days like smashing out, you know, theories and stuff like that. And anyway, we decided we had, we had a friendly bet on um, what was going to be the apocalypse, right? And so I bet asteroid strike, because if you go online and you have a look, these things are fucking, and I'm talking like fucking city killers, right? They're going past like every day, and there's near misses all the time. And then the real, real big fuckers, right? If you go on Google and have a list, I could look it up, but I won't go into it. Like, it's incredible how close they're coming. I was like, it's, plus the other thing is we know they've hit before, right? Some of them have come between us and the moon. They've yes. come that close, like, and that's in the last 24 months. A quarter of the distance, yeah. even like, yeah. yeah. Um, Randall Carlson was talking about this on Rogan, and he, he read out a whole list. It was fucking bullshit. Anyway, and then you bet, you bet global pandemic. Yeah. Right? And it was 2013, know. by the way. Was it? Yeah, and I can okay. even remember the job and right down to the detail. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was pretty close then. So anyway, my friend Corbett here, predicted the global pandemic and like we all laughed of course like yeah sure right and then <laughs> rocked around 2020 so basically my question about that is um how did you, how did you know what did you know that other people obviously didn't know and what made you pick you know global pandemic okay well first off i'll give myself a bit of a uh slap i kind of got it wrong i thought I, I expected the global pandemic and it was 2013 when we had this discussion we were doing a little job down in uh, uh, yeah it was down that way there was yeah, you yeah. me and mick Catamini were on the yeah. job it was a little limestone place it had that yeah. big cathedral church you look to it yeah, yeah. and i only know that because the um i just bought the house and literally that was a job that i got approval for my housing loan and we were talking about this sort of stuff. Now, at that stage, the little slap I will give myself is I didn't pick it to be a virus. Right. I thought it was going to be a bacterial pandemic, okay. right? Primarily because the world isn't a healthy place as far as all this stuff goes, and we're running out of antibiotics. So I, I thought it was going to be more bacterial, uh, bacterial based. Okay. Um, but the other thing is, as well, virus happens on about a hundred year cycle. Yeah. Right. Yeah, every time, yeah. every time you go back, yeah. about uh, the two things that we seem to do every century, century and out, beginning of the century seems to kick off with a pandemic. Uh, last one was uh, Spanish flu back in two thousand uh, nineteen seventeen. Yeah. 
right? Um, so it's a 20th century one, all the way back to the Black Plague. It's about the beginning of the century. And we usually have two major wars in a century, yeah. right? So some things, so it, it wasn't, it, there were predictions, but it was based on sort of what I considered to be the cyclic, you know, way that humanity just goes on. I didn't expect it to be um, uh, as impact as this. Yeah, I don't think anyone could have. No, no. Could have like guessed all that shit. So that brings me to like, well, what do you think? Like, you know, that everything that happened and how it all fucking played out right from the start, and then all the government bullshit, and you know, like if you had to kind of like summarize it in your opinion, what are you, what are your thoughts on the whole thing? Um. We got it wrong because it shouldn't have been a surprise to anyone, right? There's um, in the in the later part of the 20th century, everyone, we've, we had a couple of warnings, man. We had the Zika virus warnings and th yeah. these things have come and gone before. And the CDC, people like this have said, right, it's only going to be a matter of time before one of these gets away from us, right? And... Um, Everyone likes the status quo. Everyone likes the, you know, the fluffy bunny world. They don't want things to go bad. I'm one of them. I'd, lo I'd love to go back to it. I like going to Bali. I haven't been in Bali in like two and a half years. I haven't been able to, you know, I've been trying to buy a mop for the last two months, the kind of mop I like, but you yeah, can't get it because of the supply chains. Timber yeah. Price of timber's gone up. Uh, my builder told me the other day, the steel work for housing has gone up nearly 100% in 12 months. Yeah. You know, so... How did they handle it? Not well. And then the pandemic actually has three aspects. First off, it has the health aspect. The secondly, it has an economic aspect. And thirdly, it has a political aspect. Now, the way they should have been treated is this should be a health problem, first and foremost. Then it should be an economic problem, second. And then it should be a political reality for the politicians, third. But the problem with it is, is the people who are in power can never let people know that they don't have control of a situation. So you get like Scotty from marketing and you had Trump and you had, uh, I can't remember, I think it was Boris Johnson at the beginning of it. You had all these guys trying to put on a face of, we have control of this. So their actions were based on, firstly, that they knew that they were doing. And nobody could have known what they were doing. No. Right. What do you reckon is stopping you? Oh, no. What do you reckon they don't just say? I've no idea. We'll talk about that as a separate one. Yeah. I'll get through this and I'll talk about yeah. that one as well. Okay. The second one is, of course, is um, politicians that think that the economy is what people want, which is good. We all want a good economy. But they don't realise that people actually would prefer better social outcomes than a good economy. Yeah, for sure. Right? So when they were doing all of their... their uh, planning on this, they'd done it, ask about politics first, economy second, and then the health crisis third, right? And that's why I think they all botched it. They should, if they had dealt with the crisis, yeah. um, I can't, I, people like the way that our state premier done it, Mark McGowan, they reckon he'd done it really well. I don't think he did personally. Um, I think he had a great outcome at the end, right? But just completely locking yourself away from the whole world and hoping it all goes away. Now, don't get me wrong, in hindsight, I'm pretty happy with what he'd done. Mm. But, again, I don't think he was doing it for the people. I think he was doing it for the... Yeah, well, he got he, he smashed an election with it. He politicised it with a good social outcome, Yeah. right? Other politicians have tried to politicise it 
for economic outcomes, which they thought would lead to being having, you know, back to premise one, that popularity for, as a politician is more important than actual outcomes, yeah. right? Because they want to win the elections and we're, right. we're going through it right now. Yeah, so yeah, so I, I don't think that many people handled it well. I can't speak to the whole world. I imagine there's probably countries out there, little yeah. European countries and places like that that you've never heard of, yeah. uh, African countries you've never heard of that have all done it really well. There's a few... I'd... Well, sort of up on most of that. The countries. It was interesting, but because like this is what I say, it's a bit of poison chalice too, right? Because like no one wants a fucking pandemic on their watch. First oh, of all. And the other thing is like Aussies, right? Like how the, how the fuck do you get Australians to do anything, right? And I'll give you like what I mean by that is like I think it was Bangladesh, right? They pretty much kept it to almost virtually zero, right? But here's the thing: this is what they did. The government handed out these like nasal washes, right? And they said to the people, every time you go out, every fucking time you go home, you do not touch anything. You go straight to the bathroom. You do this thing. So killing the before it gets into the further throat and then like, yeah, you know, like into lung. the lungs. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing was, right? They all did it. Mm. I think like they actually worked out. It was like ninety ninety eight point five percent. I want to say. Of people all actually did it now. God, can you imagine if you did that in Australia? This, mate, you'd be fucking lucky if you get twenty or thirty to see percent of the people. So the thing is, if, if everyone says, "Oh, it should be personal choice," right? Well, yeah, but the problem is, people don't. Make I'm gonna, any- I'm gonna disagree with you a little bit there, Ira. I, I can see yeah. the, the premise of Australians don't want it. All Australians think they're crocodile Dundee. You know, mm. laid back, sort of the yaka live in the outback. That's what they think they are. I tend to find most Australians actually do follow rules really well. Now, and I will use West Australia. Nobody liked wearing masks in pubs. They told us to do it and we all done it. You know, the the odd nut job didn't. They told us to get vaccinated. They told us to get triple vaxxed, right? Most people went out and got it done. I don't know what the triple vax state is. So I think we do. Yeah, I I I think the good thing about Australians is... They really do believe in mateship. I don't know if they vocalise it that way, but what happens is you tell people and it's, you can't tell me what to do. Yeah, I want to do what I want to do. Yeah. But then in the back of the, in my opinion, in the Australian psyche, is that, but I don't want to kill my mate. Yeah. Right. So I think a lot of Australians, yes, they don't like the authoritarianism. I think that comes from a convict sort of background. Yes. You know, we don't like to uh, be told what, what we should do. But I think as a basis, and you've got to look across the whole country, as a generalisation, people did do what they were asked to do. Now, I'm not saying they would go and swab their nosies, but before I came over here today, I'd done a COVID test. Yeah. Right? Because they tell you... I'm more meant, like, if it was left up to everybody, like, I reckon a lot of people just wouldn't have gone and done it because they didn't have to. Oh, that if you didn't have to, if we were given a choice, we wouldn't have. I'm one of them. These people are like, it's kind of mandate, really. The people are arguing for mandates. Like, I'm, because the weird thing is, right, I'm not for the mandates, right? But I'm like, well, what else do you do? Mm. How else do you get everybody to buy in? Because I don't know, tell me if I'm wrong about this, but it seems to me that, like, everybody wants to live in Texas, right? But no one wants to move to Texas. Well, and you, you know you you're as politics, so you know exactly what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah. You know, we all kind of think we want to live in this like place of personal responsibility, but I, I don't know if that's the reality. No, it's not the reality. There's, there's um. The bottom line is, is for me, is it's not 
what they're telling you to do. It's the fact that you're being told to do something, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, I, I said to the guys when I, when I was working with that, I said, look, if the government told you you had to drink two bottles of beer before you started work, they'd say, well, fuck that. I'm not drinking beer because I'm not doing what they tell me. Uh, yeah, they would. You know, I still know guys that will, sure. they, like uh, Eddie the Destroyer, one of our associates, he won't, he still isn't vaccinated, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and his whole premise is that, I'm not going to be told to get a vaccine. Um, one of the, our other associates asked him, he said, have you ever been vaccinated for anything? He goes, oh, yeah, I get a flu vaccine every year because <laughs> right, I don't want to get the flu. Plus right. all the ones like, because I looked it up, right, up until you're about... Okay, Seven or 11. Up until about 12, I want to say, you get like almost one a year and there's a couple of years where you get like two. I think it's seven or 11. By the time you're five, yeah. it's either seven or 11. I can't remember. I was talking to my niece about it because she's just had uh, another, another kid. And I think by the time the kid was one, I think it had five, yeah. right? And uh, and then there was a voluntary one that you could get done, but it cost about $450. And the thing is... So we paid for it to get it done. Everybody get, has gotten them since, oh, I won't say the date because I have to look that up, but it's a long time. Do you know, it's Washington, George Washington, the father of the American people, you know, the, who won't be told what to do, he made his guys, and I can't even remember when the uh, American colonial war was, but he actually made his army get smallpox immunisation because the British army were getting it mm-hmm. and they weren't getting sick. His soldiers were getting smallpox. So he made them get injected. Now, that's hundreds of years ago. Now, in the US, they say, oh, the founding fathers didn't want us. You know, they wanted us to be free and have our rights and you can't tell me to get vaccinated. Well, you know, pretty much the founder of your country, well, the United States, said, get vaccinated because we're getting the shit kicked out of us by the British. And this is the other interesting thing about COVID, which I wanted to mention as well. The funny thing is, right, it's amazing Like everybody else, I will say, other than you and me, well, there's other people, obviously, but it's amazing how, do you mean, like, everyone's been so surprised about all these, like, oh, they can just make you do it and the freedoms and all this, like, whereas you and I know, right, like, it's not a surprise to us because we knew all those things and didn't exist. Like, for example, right, most people think it's legal to protest in this country, right? It's actually not West legal, Australia. Right? It's, it's, it's section fifty four B of the Police Act, West Australia, yeah. prohibits three people or more talking about political That's gatherings right. without a permit. So here's the thing, right? There's the law, and then there's reality. And what happens is they just don't enforce it, hmm. right? And then when shit gets out of hand, then they'll enforce it. But for most peaceful protests, they just don't worry about. It. There's like twenty or thirty things. It did surprise me. One thing did surprise me just how much of this was state controlled. Like I really kind of thought that the federal government might have had a bit more power and it kind of did my open my eyes a little bit there because here's the interesting thing, right? Tasmania says, right, this is what we're doing, right? And I won't even go and like, but we're doing X, Y, and Z, right? Based on the science, right? Oh, it's all based and then on you science. go to Victoria, right? And they say, well, we're doing CDNE. Based, based on, on the science. The best scientific every advice we're state, getting. Yeah. Every fucking state had a different... So it's like, guys, come on. Like, no one's no one's believing this shit. And I think that's part of the problem too. Like once they start bullshitting, a lot of people just turn off. But Would you realise we're the only country in the OECD world who doesn't actually have a Bill of Rights? 
Yeah. Australia has no Bill of Rights. We have no constitutional. Yeah, if you've ever read right. the Australian Constitution, yeah. it's more how the Federation's going to act between the states, uh, cross-border taxation, stuff like that. And if you actually read the first draft, and it may be in the current draft still, um, it names the states. It always says uh, West Australia, Tasmania and New Zealand, funny enough, if they choose to join the Australian Federation. New Zealand opted not to. Of course, West Australia and Tasmania came along and did join it. But we don't have a Bill of Rights at the uh, thing. Um, most most civilised countries have Bills of Rights. What do you think about that? Do you think we should get one? Oh, fuck yeah. How do we, how do, we do that then? Well, it, first off, if it, I, I don't know. I really don't. It would have to, I guess, you'd have to put up a Bill of Rights. It may have to be a referendum on it. If you wanted it in the Constitution, I'm sure it does. But if you just wanted it to set up as a separate, separate document, which most countries do, Israel didn't. Israel wrote their Bill of Rights into their actual parliamentary act, where most countries keep them separately. Um, but, like, we have no right to worship. We have no right to freedom of assembly. We have no right to freedom of speech. Right? People say, oh, you know, you've got these rights of freedom of speech. You don't have those sort of rights. Now, don't get me wrong. Our, our, um, our legislature give people certain uh, intrinsic rights in, 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 in law, like you don't have to speak out against yourself, even though we're not like America, we don't have the Fifth Amendment, but you don't have to incriminate yourself and stuff like that. But we don't have a Bill of Rights. So um, this mandate stuff that they got, you have no right to protest it. Yeah, uh, and there's no government checks. There's no yeah. government checks, no balances. We don't have it, at, at, certainly at the state, at the federal level, sorry, there's no... Um, there's no anti-corruption commission. We keep going on that all the time. So the government of Australia aren't accountable to the people, which is why I think they get away with so much of what they do. And you can shit can the American system, but that's two of the best things about it, that, you know, they do have that backup and they do have those checks. And yeah. they've got issues as well. Of course, checks and balances fail. Yeah, uh, one of the problems with checks and balances, and we will talk about the US, is... Um, all of these rules and regulations were all wrote at a time when everybody assumed that everybody would act in good faith, right? So you can write a constitution saying you have the rights to the freedom of assembly. But if your government acts in bad faith and dictates, well, yes, well, assembly means that you have to be in lines 15 deep, 40 long, this and that and the other, they start saying that's what we think an assembly is. Now, that's all well and good again if you can go to a legal system and say that's the government's version, this is our version, right, and the courts get to decide. But then again, and we'll talk about the American Supreme Court at the moment about to overturn a piece of legislation that's 50 years old yeah. because they have a politicised uh, judiciary now. They have uh, six conservatives, three moderates on their, their Supreme Court bench. So um, even a Bill of Rights and any of the any uh, powers that the government afford the people only works if the government work in good faith. That's where I would have my doubts about it. Because even in America, the state laws, it's kind of the same here. They still have their own they have federal laws and state laws. Yeah. And they're vastly different. In, but there is, a, there is an order condescending, the... Um, the it says in our constitution which laws trump other laws. So basically, you know, the, the the constitution, I suppose, is primary. Then you have federal law. Mm. Then you have individual state laws. If you have a state law that contradicts a federal law, then the federal law actually overrides it. Yeah. So if um, uh, if they actually brought in something, again, this is where governments have to good, uh, operate in good faith. If the government brought in a anti-euthanasia law, then uh, I think Tasmania has one and South Australia have it. Um, then they would be overrode, right? So, again, they could go to the court and have the federal government 
have to rescind it. But again, we have to work on everyone yeah, operating yeah. in good faith. Yeah, that's part of the problem, isn't it? Well, again, but everything's seems, politicized. Yeah, and it seems to be, I don't know, see, a lot of people got saying, you know, conspiracy theories, COVID, and it was all playing. Yeah, I don't know if I buy into all that. Maybe partially, or people took advantage of the situation for sure. But I think, if anything, right, what's actually happened is like we're having this conversation now, right, about we need a Bill of Rights, right? And I'm hearing this in other places as well and in higher places. And you can guarantee, man, there's lawyers who have sat around drinking coffee and whiskey or whatever, having exact conversations about, like, you know, um, one of my ex schoolmates, Simon, he's uh, one of the top lawyers in Australia. And he's on 6PR occasionally, and even he said it was like, you know, we've got to do something about this because just way too much power and then this emergency power laws. So generally it takes a long time, but what I'm seeing is at least there's a start of conversation, right? So there's a good chance that good things will actually come out of this. And the other thing is, you know, these politicians who don't, they, you know, that did mandates on at some point, right, someone's going to fucking organise some kind of an inquiry and do some kind of, and even if it's an independent summary of all this fucking bullshit and all this stuff that happened, right, so it's all going to come out in the wash. And then what we do as humans is we learn from that because I don't buy into the, like, you know, I have friends posting on Facebook, like, fucking losing their shit, man, like, and they're like, we're going into dystopia, and it's like, well, I went to the shops, right, and it wasn't there. I went to the car track and there was no dystopia there. <laughs> That's it. I went to the pub and it wasn't, you know what I mean? It's like people are freaking out and it's like, well, but at the same token, I think we'll learn from this and become better educated. And look, it takes a while to process all this kind of shit because that's one cool, cool thing about Australians. We will sit back and go, okay, we're going to analyse this and go through it, blah, blah, blah. I'm confident, you know, the right people will do it. And then that way, you know, we learn and then we get better. And then, like, next time we have one, sure, like, there's a lot of politicians who will say they would do things different. Well, I I'm, not, I'm not 100% in agreement with the second part that they'll do something. They might do it differently. Uh, where's our quarantine centre? You know, yeah. it was going to be ready by January. We're going to have a purpose-built quarantine centre out at Bullsbrook, just behind where I live there. Um and I've, I know guys that are working on that site, and they reckon it's come to a complete standstill. Yeah. Now, they're, they're, uh, the hierarchy will say they're blaming supply and manpower, right? But we've opened our borders now. There's no, there's no real urgency for it. Yeah. Well, if we had a government, a forward-thinking government that didn't think in three-year election cycles, um, we'd be finishing these. And we would be going to our top universities. Pick I don't know who the top university in West Australia is. It probably is UWA, although I prefer Curtin, better pub. Um, we should be starting yeah. a, a basically a disease control program in Australia, coordinated amongst the universities, uh, CSIRO involvement, government uh, government funded, right? And and we should build the the the, the new delivery system they use for COVID. The uh, I can't remember what the letters, um, the RNNMA or whatever it was. The um, first time it's been used, only because on, I only found this out recently, it's actually not a new technology, but it was never commercially commercially viable to uh, actually use that technology on mass. Yeah. Well, when all of a sudden 7 billion people need an injection, it does become profitable. Um, we should be developing plants that make that sort of stuff, yeah. right? It should be the government should be 
planning for this now, yeah. right? Because and, and this is, I don't want, want to be like a, a prophet of doom because I'm not sure that this is the end or the middle or the beginning of this pandemic, right? It, the var- Every time a variation changes, yeah. we went from Delta to Omicron um, and it had some goods and bads. One was it's a lot more um, transmissible, right? But the actual mortality rate with that particular one came down. Yeah. What happens if the next yeah. version yeah. is more transmissible yeah. and completely immune to anything that we, we've, we've got so far? Right, so and you're, you're um, if they start telling us we have to go out in full hazmat suits, most people aren't even going to be able to afford one or have one or have access to one. We'll, we'll be or what? Your house. Yeah, that's it. Oh, I got one. Yeah, and there's um, right, your Oh, I'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know you got them. Don't worry. Uh, but the uh, and look, it's not like freak. I won't tell people like cool, it's not like a freak prepper, but he's. You are prepared, like you've got a reasonable amount of stuff. Okay, I'll talk. I'll yeah, just talk to that, so I don't sound like a nut job. We were yeah. the big storm we had here, uh, uh, probably about ten years ago now. The big hailstorm oh, with the size of golf balls. Uh, my street, we lost power in our street for uh, three and a half days. Yeah. Right, so all of my food, my freezers melted. Right, and because so many other people, were, it was so widespread. I, I gave as much to my mum and dad as I could, and anyone else that could have it. We'd done a big cook up. The dog ate like he was a king. <laughs> But basically it all spoiled, right? Um, at the end of it, I think Western Power offered me like an $80. I lost about 700 bucks worth of meat and they offered me 80 bucks for it. Yeah, so I didn't even worry about claiming it. So we had no way to charge up our uh, iPads. We had no entertainment. We read books by, the first two days we read books by, by um, Torchlight, right? On the third day, I was taking my laptop down to the pub and they let me charge it up and download a couple of movies to watch that night. <laughs> Um, so we decided back then that we wanted to be in a position where if we lost power or if it was a cyclone, I'm not talking about pandemic or nuclear war or, you know, invasion from galactic forces unknown. If we, if the, if the power station went down for 24, you know, a couple of weeks, a month, say, we wanted to make sure. So we bought some dehydrated food, a couple of, uh, uh, battery charged radios, and torches, stuff like that, just basically so that if something goes wrong, right, normal stuff, not the end of the world, not the zombie apocalypse that I'm hoping for, um, but that's that's why we keep it. And I would recommend anyone do it, even if it's only uh, like a five-day bug-out bag with some dehydrates in it, dog food, stuff like that, whatever you need, and have a plan because, again, last year it worked for us. We had no choice. We had bushfires. We were we actually got put on the emergency list. We had to evacuate the house. So it was easy. I threw all this food in, water, all the cats and dogs, and sent yeah. the missus to work. So not a nutter, no. but things happen. I think that's one thing that COVID showed us as well, but was the fact that like, it really exposed people to the fact that the supermarkets and all that's cool when they're open and they got stock. They're not so fucking cool when they're out of stock and the, the toilet paper and panic buying and all that shit. And, and like, because, you know, one of my businesses now, you know, as you know, I sell heirloom seedling and I've been doing it for four years now. And the first, so two before pandemic, two with pandemic, I pretty much doubled, tripled my sales in pandemic because people wanted to grow at home. People starting to realise like, hey, you know, if you fucking run out. And same thing, no one's like me converting like their whole backyard into a garden. 
But um, that's because I sell. But, you know, people are starting to realise, oh, it's like, you know, you need to have a little bit kind of like in reserve. And I'll back up what you say. You don't have to go crazy. But, yeah, it's good to, like, you know, have a few things, you know, lying around. Yeah, well, just quickly on that yeah. again. It, what it does, though, is it's if you're prepared, it takes the pressure yes. off people who aren't. Right, again, it goes back to that Australian thing. If I don't need to be in the supermarket, the toilet paper, actually, just quickly, what really annoyed me about all of that is that's actually how me and my wife do buy because we hate shopping. So when we go to the shopping centre, um, right, we buy, we go, we always buy in bulk. We, we buy from, and I'll, I'll do a bit of a plug here, I buy from uh, McLaughlin's Butchers over in Malaga there. It's an Irish butcher's great stuff. And I do like the Avon Valley beef stuff, so we buy from them. So we buy all in bulk and load up the freezers. Ergo, why I lost so much meat last time. And we buy, anything we buy sort of on a weekly basis, obviously, are produce, like milk. Spoils. Yeah, and and fruit. We actually even make all our own bread. Excuse me. We do all our own bread. uh, uh, People will say to us, you know, do you ever use your bread maker? We actually had to go and buy a new one about two months ago because the little yeah. spindle on it actually had worn right through. It yeah. fell off. You know, so um, by buying in bulk, um, like I say, it made us look idi- like idiots because we yeah. used to go in and buy five packets of 24 toilet papers. Yeah. So when people come to my house now, they, we'll see. Have, they see it all and think, oh, yeah, mad people. They've started stocking up on toilet paper. Yeah, uh, so, uh, so we look mad, but it was what we'd done before. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's all right, well, we should uh, mix it up a little bit. Let's get out of some politics. Actually, one thing I wanted to ask you about, um, we was, you, you saw my dogs out there before my old mate Cooper. He's, um, so he's going to be uh, 16 on the 1st of January, uh, 1st of August, which I worked out, it's like 96 or something in dog years. <laughs> and um, a few weeks ago, we had a little bit of an incident. He was kind of, because he's still trying to run around and chase the other dogs. Oh, yeah. He's fucking too old. Back legs? Well, he's got arthritis, mm-hmm. so it's getting hard for him to get up and down, even on the lino. Yeah. And then he hurt his front left, just like running, and he stumbled, and he's starting to fall over. He can't see shit. He can't hear shit. Like, he can, but not really. Um, so, yeah, anyway, he had a bit of a stumble, and, like, um, he's like, you know, we've got to take him to the vet. And, um, mate, Corbett, like, I, I couldn't fucking do it, man. No. I was a fucking mess here at the house. Just realising, like, well, I was freaking out, man, because I was like, is this the fucking final trip? Like, this could be it, right? It could be just, like, taking me on the bed and say, look, you know, he's cooked. We'll put him down. I fucking lost my shit, man. Like, it, you know, he's 16 years old. He's, like, the dog I always wanted. And I said to Ryan, I, I can't do it. Like, a 50-year-old man standing in the fucking veterinary clinic, man, bawling and sobbing, like, would not have been a good look. So, anyway, she took him. The cool thing was the vet said, look, He's got a few issues, but she was like, I don't think he's done yet. So they gave him some pills, like some painkillers, and like I'd already been giving him fish oil for his joints. So, uh-huh. um, and he's got another one. He's got two tablets he takes a day. And since he's been back on them, he's been kind of like like up and going. But yeah, the question, you know, uh, like probably, I don't know, I'd say he's got less than 12 months. So I know that you've had a few pets lately. And um, so you, you, you've been through this and I was wondering if you might be able to give people some, or myself as well, some kind of like advice or tips on, you know, how to, how to kind of handle this kind of stuff. Well, Ira, I'm going to tell you straight out. You can't handle it. Yeah. I, um, 
What will I'll, I'll go to the fix, then I'll tell you what I think. The fix is time. You, yeah. one, with your dog or any animal, as a pet owner, it's your responsibility to know when it's time. Yeah. Now, I have a really good uh, liaise with my vets, and I've actually told them on multiple occasions that if I'm being overly optimistic about the condition of my animal and he thinks it's time and I can't make that decision, I expect them to tell me, yeah. right? Now, it's never actually come to that because he gave his advice, and this is what he said to us. If they're still eating, they're still pooping, and they still have some sort of quality of life where they like that being with their people or they um, still try to interact, you're saying Cooper's try to run around. Yeah. So he's obviously quite happy to be going on. Yeah. So that's not the time yet. Yeah. It's when they're lying in a pool of their own mess and they can't move yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I lost my... Uh, my old cat, one of them, in the last. The problem with looking after animals really well is they live to a very, very old age, right? So my 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 last four cats have all made twenty years of age plus, wow. right? And my girl cat, who we only got put down about ah oh, oh, twelve or thirteen. No, it wouldn't have been that. Even Ten months ago, um, she was twenty two, wow. right? So. You, you grow attached to them, oh, yeah. right? Um, the truth of the matter is, Ira, you'll look and you'll know. Yeah. You'll look at it and you'll think, yeah, this is, this is, this is time. You'll know, you'll know there's a um, – I saw when I walked in, he's still at the door, tail's still wagging. Yeah, yeah. That's not the time. So you'll know when it's the right time. Secondly, for all the crying and all that, you've got to remember when my dog died, I quit my job. Um, drunk every day to the stage that my doctor put me on antidepressants, Yeah. right? So I was on Lexapro, which is an antidepressant. And another thing, people, I've got no, there's no shame in having to take antidepressants. There's no shame in being depressed. If you need to do this shit, go out, see your doctor. I tell all my friends about it. Yeah, I don't well, care what anyone, I don't give a fuck what think, people think. They say, oh, guys on drugs to keep them sane. Yeah, I was. I'm on red now. Yeah, and yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what it takes you to get through the day, yeah. um, then that's what you've got to do. Well, now, I was lucky after, um, and this is what I mean about time heals, after about seven or eight months, my doctor took me off them. She said, look, I was treating you for grief. I wasn't treating you for depression, yeah. right? So I, I, I stopped taking them. Now, Ira knows I do suffer from depression. Um, and I handle it when I have to handle it. Right, but back to the dog thing, crying in the middle of a um, in the middle of a, a doctor surgery. I had young guys at the vets about, like I say, six eight months ago when the cat died. They're coming up and slapping me on the shoulder, you know, and they're sort of giving, you know, mate, yeah, you know, sorry about your cat and all of this. These guys were, I don't know whether they were even in the vet for their dog was getting something done to them, and um, you don't handle it. You you, you just can't, man. It's like, especially if you've had them for a long time. It's, oh, mate, it's. I'm not going to compare it to the loss of a child because you can't compare one type of grief to another kind of grief. It's up there. It, it probably would be up there, but you I've can't. I've lost a lot of humans, and even same. the thought of losing Cooper, it's pretty much the same. Hmm. Yeah. There's um. Yeah, it's uh, it's. Yeah. But I, I can see him running around out there. He's, yeah, yeah, he's, he, all right he, now. he's fine. And, and look, it just freaked me out because for a day or two there, he couldn't get up. Yeah. You know, and I was just like, I just realized because the other thing is trying to think about it, and then I kind of just realized like the 
fucking day's coming, like, <laughs> and it's not far away, kind of thing. So, yeah, it's. Good. Hope my wife doesn't think like you, because that's what I'm like in the morning. <laughs> Have trouble getting up. <laughs> Hips are a bit sore. They want to get off the couch. Oh yeah, that? I wonder if she's got the uh, the green dream in the drawer for me. <laughs> yeah, that for sure. Yeah. All right, moving on. So, uh, just keeping it light, dude. What's something else I wanted to ask you about, just real quick, just. Because I'm going to ask most, I've been asking most of my guests like a few basic questions and a few things what they think. So I kind of already know what you think, but we, yeah, we want to hear it on here. So aliens. Don't exist, but never been here. Yeah. Anyone that wants to go and check it up, go and read a thing called Drake's Equation. It talks about the size of the universe, um, how long the universe has been around, yeah. and the actual chances of stumbling on someone else. Um, one of the basic premises is you're only going to be the most technological, I'll call it race on your planet, if you're the most aggressive, yeah. right? So survival um, of the species stuff. So it means you have to go through an atomic age. That's one of the factors in it. Now, I'm not even sure we're going to get through our atomic age. Yeah. Um, so you've got to get through your atomic age before you become spacefaring, yeah. right? And people forget that the universe is 14 billion years old, but all the stuff that was around at the centre of the universe, burned out 5 billion, 6 billion, 7 billion years ago. So if there are any of the inner sort of systems had intelligent life, their civilizations died out billions of years before us. Yeah. So we're on the outer rim, 14 billion years so out from the galactic centre. There's a good center. chance that there's other civilizations that far ahead of us as well, though? Or you're saying because we're on the outer, we're at the end? Well, no, they, they, they may have raised it, come and gone. Yeah. Certain laws of physics can't be changed. Now, I'm going to go science fiction on you here. Just because you can't travel faster than the speed of light doesn't mean you won't be able to one day travel further than light will in the exact same time. I don't know what that technology would be. Um, well, you can't travel faster than light. There are. Uh, all that, all that sort of stuff. So I'm not saying you couldn't, but let's assume that there isn't, right? So you get the speed of light is the finite speed. Closest planet to us is 4.2 light years oh, away. Right, yeah. yeah um, binary system, so it's probably not going there. I think the closest sun that's like ours is Bernard's star, which is about six light years away. So if you're going to start looking for uh, life in the universe, you start looking like for like. So yellow suns in the Goldilocks zone, look for exoplanets, find them there. Now, we've had radio telescopes pointed at the sky for a goodly amount of time now. So if we had near neighbours that actually... um, were that technological, their radio waves would probably have been reaching us by now. They are finding exoplanets. Oh, there's heaps. There's, yeah. uh, last, there's about 400 last time I looked. Yeah, I was going to say. An interesting Could be 4,000 today. Is like the first one, I want to say, like 2011. It was late, yeah. So it's not even that long ago. No. So this is kind of like pretty new. And before that, we didn't even really know about them. Yeah, but again, that was a technological thing. Yeah. We, we suspected they're out there. Yeah. Uh, the, the technology was that, like, I can remember, oh, I'm talking way back when I started playing around with computers. Um, computing power, like, they would get, like, it to, 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 um, to, to actually compile one, one second of, you know, telemetry used to take, like, three days. Now computers are that fast. They can literally process the um, information almost in real time. Yeah. So what's holding us back now mapping and looking for um, Radio waves, x-rays, all that sort of stuff. Potential signs of other life 
is the arrays we've got. Now, we've got two, a new one getting built, um, the, the big array, the one that they're building yeah, here yeah. in South Africa. Yeah. They reckon that once that's finished, they'll be able to map all the seeable sky in 24 years. Right, so that means, say they finish it in two years from now, and then they start calculating that. That means in 30 years from now, we will know if there is alien life in the universe just from what we can yeah, right. see. Now, I'm not sure those facts and figures are 100%. Yeah, yeah. That's from a cursory reading. Yeah. Um, but once we start mapping the sky and once we start looking for the anomalies and exoplanets, like you say, we didn't discover the first one for... Uh, centuries and then they're popping up. And that's why I said last time I read it was 400. It could be 4,000 yeah. by take because I haven't read it up in a while. Uh, yeah. 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 So, um, and we've got some really good ones. There's that one that keeps blinking in and out. And there's another one that's so fucking big, it blots out at, at the star. They look, good. they look like they've got all the right shit. Yeah. One of them, um, one of them has all the things. Now, now, the good thing about science is the best way of proving science is disproving yourself. Every time you, Someone tells you something, go out of your way to disprove it, right? You know it's a fact when you can't go any further down the rabbit hole. You've tried every method you can to say this isn't right. Because once you've got rid of all the things, if you can't prove it's wrong, it doesn't necessarily mean it's right, but it has a high potential to be right. Finding something you want to be right and finding all the evidence to support it being right, that's not good science. Finding reasons why it shouldn't be right and disproving yourself is good science. That's crazy. Right, so these guys are looking at this big anomaly that sort of makes a whole sun blot, blot out, and there's a thing called a Dyson sphere. Go and look it up. Um, some people say it could be one of them. You need something that big to do it, right? Um, the more likely thing is it's actually closer to us, and it's not actually in the system that they think it's in. So it's doing a sort of an orbit, um, like a little circle like that, not like that. Yeah. And it's blotting it out. Yeah. Um, so so aliens, as of coming to Earth, um, my question would be this. If they've ever came and helped us build pyramids and walls and stuff like that, where did they go and why didn't they come down now? Yeah. You know? Well, the only thing that, because I'm pretty, I'm not that much different to you on all this. The only thing that does make me wonder is like all these ancient civilizations, you know, cave drawings, you know, even like the biblical fiery chariot, right? Flying mm. saucers, like they've all got kind of images of them. So, but that doesn't necessarily prove anything. That could just be like, you know, it's like passing down storybooks or whatever. Have you ever so, read any of Nostradamus's things? Yeah. He's a nutter. Yeah, yeah. Right? He wrote four, but, quatrains, little four lines. I've read them. Uh, I used to have a book of them, right? And I make up things in my own social circle. Yeah. And I look at it and say, hey, look, this is you. Yeah. I can't remember a specific, but this is you. And you can read it and you can make it apply to that person. Oh, yeah. It's the same. That guy that drew it, the, the, my favourite one is there was, a, there was a, uh, an author um, who I personally think was a nut job, a guy called Eric Von Daniken. He wrote Chariots of the Gods and, and all those ones. He was one of the first people about this. He's got this little thing that looks like an aeroplane, right? And it does. It looks like a little bronze aeroplane. It's thousands of years old. But that might have been some kid's, you know, attempt to build a bird, toy, a yeah. toy, and it's a bird. This is a bird, Dad. Well, what's the little knobbly bit on the end? Well, it's yeah. just there, you know. Yeah, that's so not proof. That, that, that's not proof. To me, um, I know how they built the pyramids. It's not a secret, right? We didn't know if in the 1950s and 60s because it was 
considered insurmountable. Since we've x-rayed them, we can see the tool marks. We can see yeah, the cuts. all the yeah. cuts. And we can see where they, they've put the, uh, that, where, they used to have a thing called a Lewis. It's like a chop that goes into the bricks to lift them. Yeah. They understood pulleys. This is on YouTube. I was going to say it's a good video on YouTube. Okay, cool. Always, yeah. So now just because people forget that we weren't as technological 2,000 years ago, but we were just as smart. Yeah. Right, the people were just as intelligent. I mean, to think that our ancestors two thousand years ago were stupider than us is just wrong. Yeah. They just didn't have the same education as we had, right? So we we know how things work. We understand gravity now. They didn't understand those things. We understand mass and all that, all this other stuff that they didn't understand, right? Uh, and the other thing is, and this is this is going to not paint us in a great picture. Most of the these beliefs. They should come out of Europe, right? They don't come, the, the Mayans and the Aztecs and all that. They believed in sun gods and all yeah, those other stuff. Just astrological. Yeah, and they were astrologers. All that stuff about, oh, everyone thought the world was flat. Well, no, all the Mayans and the Aztecs, they, they drew the planets as round, yeah, right? It was cool. Western Europeans that thought the, the world was flat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, and, and you're dead right. That's what a lot of people seem to overlook. And you tell a lot of people that too, and they're like, what, really? And it's like, yeah. I like the cool story about the Mayans, like how they used to actually figure out the planets. Like you probably know this, but what they used to do is they used to make little circles, like shallow pools. So they'd make like a real shallow pool, and then they would basically put marks like where the sun comes up, where it goes down. You do that for a couple of years, you end up like mapping out the whole thing. Yeah. So, yeah, but one thing I did want to ask you about then going on about alien, right, because lately you've probably been following, right, there's this, um, you know, the NASA's released footage and technology and, uh, or footage of technology that seems to be kind of like out of this world. And it's interesting because, like, you know, you kind of want to believe, right? But right from the start, I basically, you know, my son says, me, Dad, what do you reckon? I was like, man, someone's figured it out. Like, someone's figured out some kind of tech. And I don't know what you think, but I'm putting my money probably on the Chinese or the Russians. Because let's be honest, like, there's only, if you make a list, there's only a few countries in the world that could fucking pull something like this off. And, you know, possibly even the Americans doing it themselves and it's just like a way to slowly get people like used to the technology but yeah i don't know what you think about that but i just think you know same thing just because things are flipping around and the other thing is here's the other thing we know this right that you i used to think like your vision and your memory and all that's reliable right no. and then once you start doing you have research, memories of memories you don't oh, have you good can, memory you can implant memory right we know that and it's fucking easy to do like heaps of experiments and people have done it so, yeah, it's not reliable necessarily. And just because you see something on video, that doesn't necessarily mean that's what even happened. But, yeah, I just wondered what your thoughts on that, like all this new sort of like crazy tech and these videos that you've probably seen like the TikTok. I've seen all, a lot of that stuff. There's um, most new tech gets kept secret, right? Even if it's proprietary stuff the guys inventing vcrs dvds they keep all of that secret until they're ready to go to market it stops competition i'm um, stealing your ideas before you can get it to market i think a lot of the tech um, we'll, we'll talk about um aerotech stuff things that can go into space and all that that can only get done at the government levels yeah. right now i know that dickhead billionaire musk's he's built his own little space program and all that other crap and that which is shit by the way they go up into lower atmosphere Big fucking deal. Yeah. Um, there's um, the tech that they are building will be kept classified, right? So even if NASA got a photo of something that was in space 
high atmosphere, lower ocean even, take a pick. Yeah, a lot of these have been seen darting in and out of the water and hovering above the water. All that sort of stuff. Even if, if it's military tech, you've got to remember we're really clever monkeys, man. We can do shit yeah, that they don't. And the other thing is, you know, going back to Tesla and Einstein, all these guys basically said, smart men, like not levitation, but they were like, if you've got the right power mass, these things can be done. It's not, it's not actually. No, there's um, at, well, we, we've um, we've both watched the videos on quantum levitation. Yes. Where if you can get something cold enough, all the rules of physics change. Now, if those, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm not, uh, I'm not into aerospace as such, but. Um, again, go and look up quantum levitation. It's really cool for race car sets. Um, there won't be tech out there where you can, when you do something to a physical mass, the actual properties in the physical universe, you don't change the properties. Of, you can't change the laws of physics, as Scott would say, but we don't understand them all yet. There's been a lot of discussion about this element. When you say that, there might be some of this element, this element 213. No idea. Um, some kind of because I don't know if you believe the Bob Lazar story, but um, there's been experiments done around this element, and it was interesting because it, they just kind of slipped it onto the periodic table around 2012, I want to say. And it's got like certain properties, like this is what look, this, I don't know whether you believe Bob Lazar or not, but he basically says they know how to turn it on and off, but they don't know how it works. Well, I, I don't, I don't, I won't disagree with that. I, I read a um you got to remember that a lot of elements on the periodic table, mainly the uranium ones, are mericium for one. These are man-made elements, yeah. right? They don't appear, they don't actually physically, um, uh, look, th that we know of, yeah. right? They don't actually show up anywhere in nature. Now, to say that we can, there are actually uh, molecular scientists who do actually custom design this sort of thing. Now, again, way out of my field and a way... My favourite saying about quantum physics is if you think you understand quantum physics, you don't, yeah. right? Uh, one of the things I read is uh, it's called quantum entanglement and it's where uh, two particles created in the same instance are attached, not a physical. It doesn't matter how far apart they are and they have done experiments with actually two particles, that thing. If one changes its polarity from negative to positive, so does the other one at the exact same time. Mm. And as far as distance between them goes, is apparently, in theory, irrelevant. Right now, if you can't travel faster than the speed of light, how would the information get from this particle to this particle if they're two light years apart, yet they change at the exact same time? Again, not a physicist. This is a basic, this is a layman's understanding of what I've been reading, which could be wrong. So we don't know. We The physics laws are there. We don't know what they are. We don't have a universal... Um, answer to all the physics questions yet. You know, even with the, the Hadron Collider, everyone was going on about the Higgs boson. He theorised that in 1964, the year I was born, right? We didn't find out about it until yeah. several billion dollars later. Well, perfect example, Da Vinci he invented the helicopter. Of course he, he did, yep. One day, someone will make an engine to run this. Yep, absolutely. Now, let's talk about them not being knowing as much as us. Uh, they weren't the same engineers as us. He understood engineering, but not like us. Let's go back to your aliens in, in, in South America and some little smart um, uh, Aztec, say. He worked out how birds fly. He might have made a paper plane out of whatever they had down there that was yeah. equivalent to paper and threw it and thought, you know what, if something had these sort of wings, 
Uh, and they were looking, and he might have even worked out halfway through it. Oh, it keeps falling on its side. What if I put a flat plane in there? So you don't know a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, five thousand years ago, someone was smart enough to theorize a plane. Never wrote it down. Just built a little prototype out of brass because of bronze or whatever it was they used at the time. So you know. So there's um. Anyway. So, so who do you reckon? Who's who do you reckon is the most likely culprit to have this tech? You reckon it's the Americans just doing it themselves and leaking it, or do you reckon it's... It would have to be the Americans. What they're getting concerned about is the saying that, oh, this shit's coming into our airspace and it's like, you know, coming into... And I'm like, mm, I'm not, I don't know if I'm buying that. I, I'm not, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't buy into it either. The reason I'd say that is, like, as far as aerospace, I mean, the last... Again, I'm getting old, so my memory isn't what it used to be. But the fastest plane, Blackbird, was that about the fastest plane we've ever had? It was. Yeah, I think there's a new one now. But, but that was 1950s technology. Yeah. Now, what do you reckon the guys in Area 51, which, by the way, yeah. isn't a spaceship hangar. It's where they test all their new tech. Yeah. Um, what do you reckon they've been doing out there, sitting on oh, their hands yeah. for the last 70 years? Yeah. We don't know what they're building. Uh, the, the, the Americans and the Europeans always said that building a, uh, a high-speed torpedo wasn't feasible they they had a theory where they could use air jacking around it and they gave up the tech um oh years ago but the russians built one they actually have a working model that can now fast travel underwater it air jackets it goes very very fast hypersonic missiles were considered to be yeah. un um unattainable technology and then the russians started launching them and high and below behold yeah. apparently america's actually got some as well but they didn't announce that until till um till the russians did you know, you so the Americans most likely? probably the high speed technology would be them, but don't underestimate Russian technology, right? People would go Chinese, but I'd, I'd say Russians because they look at things differently than everyone else. I mean, the famous thing NASA spent $10 million inventing, inventing a, a pen that would write in space, the Russians took pencils, right? <laughs> so because they, they could like write upside down, so. Again, if you want to talk about technology, yeah. they come at technology from a different way than us. Yeah. Um, so there's potentially that. Didn't Japanese you know, are the most technological people on the planet, but I don't know that they do aerospace that well. And I don't know that they'd be like sitting around in someone else's airspace. That kind of sounds more like a Russian thing to do. Well, uh, Russia, Chinese, uh, I don't know, man. Yeah. Canada, do they have an Air Force? Yeah. So actually, well, while we're on the Russians, ah. um, Ukraine. Wow. What do you reckon? Here's what I reckon. Do you want to talk about predictions? Yeah. Um, the week before this all happened, um, when they were saying will he or won't he, um, I was talking to Stuart, who's a friend of mine, and I was talking to the guy I worked with Jamie and another guy, Dave. I was telling him, I, I, um, I'm not going to say I predicted everything here, but it, this is actually playing out the way I thought it would. I thought there would be an initial push. I thought it would grind down. Uh, I thought that we got a lot more support than anyone else did, like the Iraqis or the Afghans when the war, you know, during those conflicts. So my three things was that it was going. Well, it's four actually, but my my four things were going to be hard, hard first invasion then stalled, right, because this was happening in every war for the last 
40 years, man. Yeah. Afghanistan stalled, Iraq yeah. stalled, Vietnam. It's a draw if you ask the Americans. Um, they didn't lose. Same as Korea. We, there were draws. Same as Afghanistan. That was a draw and so was Iraq. But European countries have more friends in the world than, uh, I was going to say jungle bunnies. I didn't mean that to be uh, derogatory, but third world countries don't get the same support yeah. as, as, as basically European or North American countries. They just don't. Um, and that's sad. Uh, now, I, everyone I suspected was going to already support the Ukraine. If the Russians went in, I keep telling my friends that that's where I had two predictions and they were mutually exclusive. I said, he's going to do it and he's not going to do it. Right? My heart wanted him not to do it. My head told me he was going to. Um, so the, three thing, the four things I, I came up with before the invasion was hard first push, stalled, a lot of friends, and what I was calling the X factor. Now, I didn't know what this was going to be. No one does. In wars, no one knows what's going to be that thing. Now, in this case, it turned out to be Zelensky. Right? No one expected a guy that was a comedian who was the voice of Paddington Bear, and he won Dances with the Stars, and he's only 41. Right? So he's a young man, got a lot to live for. I don't think anyone expected him to step up like this. Right? Nobody. I certainly think that the Kremlin grossly underestimated um, the strength of his government. Yeah, or right. Inco, I reckon. Oh, I reckon well, Inco was a bit off. Well, you know all the, all the guys that came up with this, the, the whole branch that came up with monitoring the ex-Soviet countries that had about 151 people. I think they call it uh, Branch 5 or something like that in yes. the Soviet Union. They've all, been, they've all been arrested and or are missing. Missing probably because they were smart enough to leg it or missing because they're now decorating a 44-gallon drum at the bottom of the Thames. Well, that's how you know. I heard guy, this is not me, but I heard someone on another podcast say, that's how you know they've been getting poor intel. Like, oh, yeah. Like, generals dying in the field as well. Like, that's how you know. Twelve generals dying in the field. Ah, but that's that's there. Again, let, we'll talk about the Ukrainians. and We'll talk about the Ukraine about from how we got to where we got to. The Russian army is corrupt. Right, and it's badly managed. Now, here's the thing: if you're a lieutenant in the United States Air Force, uh, Army, you're on the front line, and you need an artillery strike, you can call it in. Right? If you're a captain and you need uh, reinforcements, you can call for reinforcements. So these guys have a lot of battlefield autonomy. I don't know that those are exact things that they can do, but let's—they have a lot more autonomy on the battlefield. The guys on the field. They make the decisions, right? And they tell command. You don't run a site from the office, right? So that's what the Russians have tried to do. Now, all of their generals, they try to do it like the old World War One, old Napoleonics. They're in the background and they're using runners and communications to run on the field. Now, your average little Sputnik, he's not allowed to make a decision, right? Now, all the guys that were making the decisions in the Kremlin are all either dead, arrested, on the run. Now, if you're in the field, and the perfect example is the, the, the initial push, they didn't expect the Ukrainians to throw up their own bridges. They even flooded a whole village. So you got these, you know, 800 Sputniks. They get to a bridge they're supposed to cross. They don't have bridge-laying gear. Not allowed to call for it. So they stop and phone back down the line, right? And it goes all the way at the top. So why you're losing a lot of the generals is because they're that used to running things from the office that they actually now have to go into the field because even their captains, their colonels, their majors, they won't do anything without being told because 
if it fucks up, it's on them. Like they're not trained to think. They're trained to do. They're drones, right? And that's all the way from their high command, all the way from Putin, all the way down. They have drones and yes men. Right now, so these generals, 12 is, that's like the, the latest count there, right? there's yeah. 12 generals, over 300 senior officers, yeah. right? Um, it, it, and it is crazy. The highest ranked general, got, oh, they, they may have got another frigate this morning as well. Um, they, there's, a, there's news coming out that a uh, Neptune missile um, hit one of their frigates, one of their most advanced ones, um, but that hasn't been confirmed yet. So that, 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 that's a possible. Um, so all the commands come down the line. So when it's easy to stop, right? So that's the first thing. The second thing is the guys in the know never told Putin and his, and his, his ministers just how corrupt their actual military is. Now, everyone knows that, I mean, you've probably heard the horror stories yourself. They're using drones that they paid like $20,000 for these military-grade drones that you could buy from $70 for $70 in Radio Shacks in America. And the, uh, the, the military-style radios they're supposed to have are just literally handheld UHF sets that you can buy down at Dick Smith's. Now, some Sputnik got paid, you know, 70 million rubles to go out and buy all of this tech, spent a billion or a million or whatever he spent and pocketed the rest. Now, this is why you guys like Abramovich and all these oligarchs are all worth billions of dollars because they're ripping it out. The defense minister, he's probably done it. The big one, the ship they lost the other week, the uh, used to be called, what's that? The, uh, the destroyer, the big one. Yeah, I used to know its name. It's an old, it used to be named after a Ukrainian one. All their ships were, because that's where they were built. Their aircraft carriers used to be called the Kiev, and that used to be the Slava. Um, I can't remember, it's Moropov, I think, or something like that. Anyway, that had actually just had a billion dollar refit to it, right? Now, they went over it, and it, they had six contractors in the ex-Soviet Union that were capable of doing the refit. When they got the paperwork out, there was a seventh name written on there. In pencil. I'm not making this up, people. Go and look at it. It's out there. It was written in pencil, right? And they got the contract, right? Now, the captain organized all this. Again, he's dead on the run, whatever. When the ship was due to leave port, all the people on board said, this ship has had nothing done to it. They reckon there's about $630 million unaccounted for in what was supposed to be. They reckon that the test missiles that they showed them, the test launches that they showed them, were the only ones that got refitted, right? Now, that's why their army's stalling in the Ukraine, because that's it from top to bottom. The petrol, when they, they thought it was only going to be a three- to five-day exercise, so the guys that were in logistics, they didn't care that they were rolling petrol tankers in there that were only one-eighth filled, because they'd sold the other seven-eighths to the local service station. Right, but they thought, oh, it's only going to be three days. That'll be enough for them. By the time we get it back, no one will notice that they have no fuel. Right now, they were all doing that, right down to the tyres on their vehicles are supposed to be rotated every whatever it is. They're blowing out because they're flat on the bottom. Like, literally, they've been sitting there for so long and never been turned over. Some of them don't have oil in it. These depots are getting the money to, you know, and they're getting the, they're saying, all right, here's, here's all this oil, here's all of these, here's all of these. And they're automatically selling them on the black market. So what you basically have from top to bottom, everyone's having a rake, right? So when they rolled into the field, which was supposed to be, you know, a five-day exercise, we're going to run up and down the border, do a bit of saber rattling, they moved in. And they weren't ready 
they weren't combat ready units. 120 battalions went in. Probably you'd be lucky if a dozen of them were combat ready. Right? And they're probably the ones that came from Moscow that were surrounded by generals at the time. Do you know the biggest fuck up they done? And they didn't want to destroy the Ukrainian phone network because it was going to cost too much to rebuild after the invasion. So their cell phones were actually using Ukrainian towers to ping off. They think that's one of the ways that they're fi- they were finding them. Don't know if that's still current, by the way. That was early in the, the thing. Ten weeks has been going. So really, their own corrupt system is what's like holding them back, really. Um, so, Don't underestimate the Ukrainian forces. Yeah. Oh, well, this is what I, and this is the question I've got two questions for you. I don't really get Putin, like, where he's coming from in terms of, like, he knows that, like, modern soldiers just don't have an appetite for invading, right? Like, we've seen it over and over again, Afghanistan, and, like, you know, the Americans basically said, oh, you know, a bunch of people living in the desert, fucking how hard could it be? Like, honestly, they got their asses kicked. They when, when was the last time? They just time? cannot occupy, like, th- those days of occupying another country, they're just gone. Right? I don't think it was so, done in the 20th century. So I don't get, is Putin just, like, so naive? Like, to me, surely he sees that. Surely he knows that. And... What do you think about that? And then the other question is, what do you think his next move is? And do you think he kind of expected this, like a bit of a, like, I'll just get what I can and because obviously he wants the port, strategic, all that kind yeah. of stuff. What do you think about that? Okay, well, the first thing is, is I think we'll deal with Iraq just quickly. America could have won. They could have subjugated Iraq, right? The problem with Iraq was is we don't do unrestricted warfare. Right now, the Russians do. They've seen that they're, they're slaughtering civilians at a rate of nuts. Right, Americans, Europeans, we'll call us the good guys. Although I've never considered it as that, the good guys don't conduct unrestricted warfare. We try not to hit civilian targets. We try not to destroy infrastructure. It happens. Right. If the Americans decided they wanted to invade and conquer fucking Great Britain, nuclear power, we couldn't stop them. Their military could roll over the UK if they weren't going to use rules, right? So the first part of the invasion, we're going to drop sarin gas all over London, Glasgow, all the big major cities in the UK, kill everyone off. So if you have unrestricted warfare, your chances of success are a lot higher. So we've never done that. The Russians don't afford them the same fucking squeamish stomach. They would do unrestricted warfare. Now... Back to Putin. I think he thought the intelligence he was getting from Branch 5 and from his defence ministers and from the belief that he'd done it. Most of the, this is, again, it's all out there in the in the, the uh, old info web. Most of the soldiers in the initial um, push took their dress uniforms with them. Right? Now, that's matter for public record. They took their dress uniforms with them. They only took enough food for three to five days because I think at Putin's end, he genuinely thought what he was being told by his ministers and his own proper... Never believe your own propaganda. Yeah. Right? I think he fell into what he was being told was being the right. I think the defence minister and the three top generals in, in, in Moscow got arrested because I think Putin's now realised that his intel was fundamentally flawed. So I think he thought it was going to be a three-day campaign and they're going to do mug shots in their dress uniforms in the middle of Kiev um, in time for two days from now, May 9th, which is a big day in the Russian calendar. It's when they officially said World War II was over. The big parade in two days in Moscow. Um, he wants 
he wanted to have an announcement. We've subjugated the Nazis in the Ukraine or something, which we'll get to your second question, what happens next. So I think he thought he could do it. Right? I thought he thought he was just going to roll through it. Bad intelligence. I think he overestimated. He thought his army was, he spent billions modernizing it. Unfortunately, the billions never went into it. That's the bit, again, where his own intel fell down. He thought he had, if I had 120 on paper Russian battalions, I imagine I could take all of Europe, right? But that's not what they really had. Okay. Now, as for his, his second, is is they say it's not his top equipment. Well, that's actually a lie. His next best tank after the T-72s is, there's two more. There's a T-90 and a T-14. The T-90 is an upgraded T-72. He's only got 20 of them. He sent them into uh, the Ukraine two days ago. They lost one yesterday, right? So a T-72 by any other name is still a T-72. We'll go with good shit. The stuff that he does know that works is T-14s, the Armada, I think it's called. Lovely piece of kit if it works. But again, we don't know anymore. On paper, the Soviet Union has a tank that's huge and powerful. Rivals the British Challenger 2s. But does it work? Right. And again, what are the numbers? They'd probably be in the low tens. They wouldn't certainly wouldn't be in the hundreds because they cost too much. The thing is, you can pick a tank off with a Kangaroo Stinger, whatever they call it. Uh, no, the ones they're using at the moment are the, um, the N Laws from Britain and the uh, Javelins from the United States. Javelin. A Javelin won't take out a, a, a T14 on paper. Armor's too good. They've also got anti heat stuff, all this other okay. shit. Right, but we don't know if it works. The T90s they sent though did have them. They, got, they look like they got these big thick blankets on them. Right, that cuts down their uh, their uh, their signature. Right, so whether the T14s work or not, but he can't commit them. Right, because he's already most of probably about seventy percent of the battalions he has in Europe at the moment are way below uh, fighting standard. Right now, he has to keep a reserve because what happens if NATO counterattack? Right. What happens if they decide, okay, well, while he's not looking, let's fucking come in through Paul and let's come in through here, let's go through here. What if they counterattack? He's going to need basically the cream of his army to vend, to, to, to become a defensive force. What he's actually done to his country, he's taken them from being on the verge of being a superpower again to becoming a major power. Now, the only reason he's saying a major power, and this goes into what does he do next, is because he has a nuclear arsenal, 6,000 uh, warheads of varying types. But does he? If his army have been ripping off fuel left, right and centre and they've been selling things left, right and centre, how do we know rocket fuel on the black market is probably worth a fortune? Hey, there's a documentary, right? I think it's called Icarus. I was watching it and it's like, about the whole like cycling doping thing, right? But at some point they were like buying something and this thing came up, it's in there about, you heard about these suitcase nukes? These dudes are like buying some shit off some Russians and the Russians said, oh, like, yeah, we've got these like cheap, small suitcase nukes. Do you want to buy one? Again, I'm going to go, this is, I'm, I'm not going to say this is propaganda. This is unconfirmed. I did read once that at the fall of the Soviet Union, about 300 of these went missing, hmm. right? But they're very low kilotons. They're only yeah, like yeah. one, and they're, they're city killers. They're like big bangers, basically. Yeah, but you get you get one going off in the centre of Perth, and it's going to fuck up your day. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're true or not. 
Right. But it's more just an example of that, that Russian, like, everything's for sale. Do you know why smallpox is back in the community? Well, two reasons, really, but the, the first incidents were because they, they eradicated it. There was only two places in the world that had samples of it. It was the CDC in Atlanta, Georgia, and somewhere, I think it was in Chechnya, but I could be wrong about that, but it was within the old Soviet states. Um, when they closed the lab, they threw all their samples down the local tip. So that's how it got back into the, back into the real world. Do you know the Ukraine's biggest mistake? Is at the fall of the Soviet Union, the Ukraine had the third largest nuclear arsenal in the world. Right, when the United States of America, the Soviet Union, or Russia, and the Ukraine. The Ukraine had 1,600 nuclear weapons. Right now, in 1997, the Russians signed a peace agreement with the Ukrainians saying, if you give us back all of those nukes, we'll never invade your country. Right, how did that work out for them? Right, how did it work out for Saddam? Get rid of your weapons of mass destruction, we won't invade your country. Are we sure you've got, not got any? They invaded his country, you know. So you can't, I'm going to digress slightly, but you can't blame little Kim Jong-un over in North Korea when they say, look, get rid of your nuclear weapons and everyone in the world will love you. Everyone else you have told that to pretty much gets invaded. So that was Ukraine's biggest mistake. I don't really believe that in my own heart. They shouldn't have kept them. Right, you can't, I'd, I'd, I'd rather with no nuclear powers. Right, but it probably would have guaranteed, even if they kept a dozen of them, it would have probably guaranteed their peace. Um, what does Putin do next? Needs a big announcement for two days from now. So my best case scenario is he's already started to do it, is he changed the goalposts, right? Rather than the complete occupation of the Ukraine, which was his, his, um, his aim, keep the two eastern regions, right? I think that's why he has to take that steel works really, really badly. That's why he's really going. Now, if they're not careful, he'll drop a... Um, I would suspect, I don't know this, only from their uh, sort of their teachings in Syria, is that he might drop a chemical weapon on them, right? Gets into all the nooks and crannies, gets them out really quickly. Don't think he'd use a biological because too much potential for them to get out of hand. He certainly wouldn't use a nuke, but I wouldn't write that one off. Um, but, yeah, I think his next, if he really wants to make headroads into those two things, he may start engaging chemical weapons. Yeah, and what do you think about this talk about him dropping a nuke? Because I don't know, I don't know enough about it, but I can't, I can't see it happening. Surely he knows if he starts dropping them, he's in deep shit. Well, not strictly true, man. We're in deep shit. Yeah. If he drops even one now, that the one one uh, think tank paper I read, they said that rather than actually using it anywhere, actually just detonating one over the um, out in the ocean over the North Sea to show that he's quite prepared to actually let one off it's um it's a dangerous gambit if this thing about him having cancer is true because uh, he's going in for cancer surgery in the next couple of days if he hasn't already undergone it, he's signing power over to the defense minister that other guy if he really has cancer unless he loves his children a fucking lot you don't know what the guy's going to do Right. If he really thinks he's going out, if he thinks he's got nothing, you know, he wants to leave the legacy of a, a, a rebuilt Soviet Union, which is what I think he did, by the way. And I'll, I'll extrapolate on another question, but I don't think he would stop at the Ukraine. I think if he took it, took the Ukraine, um, all the other ex-Soviet states, all those little Baltic states that used to belong to the Soviet Union, I think they would be next. Right? I don't even think he would take into account the fact that, that some of them have actually joined NATO. 
Um, he's got the worst, the, the most dangerous person in the world, someone who's got nothing to lose. Now, if he loses in the Ukraine, I believe that his time in, in Russia is over, right? He won't be able to stay the head of their country. He certainly won't have popular support yeah. if they lose, right? Um, from the inside. Oh, yeah, all empires rot from the inside. Uh, and ask Julius Caesar. Um, the, uh, my concern is that it's going to be a Hail Mary. He's going to do something that's so... Yeah, it, scary, scary thought. Would he drop a nuke? I'll go back to my original thing. Um, he's got to wonder in his own head at the moment if they actually even work. Right? So, I mean, everything he's been throwing at them is failing miserably. Here's another question I've got for you then. Do you know anything about the like, Russian launch system? Because, like, surely he's not the dude pressing the button, right? Obviously, there's some kind of chain of command. But I tried to look right, and here's the interesting thing. There's nothing. They don't know. Him and the Chinese. They don't tell you anything about their sequences or anything like that. No, and that, that's um, that's actually a good strategic fucking thing. I imagine somewhere in his office, though, because of his paranoia. Mm. I mean, Trump used always brag about the big red button. Um, I've got a big red button on my desk. I've looked at his desk many. I don't see. I've never seen the Resolute desk. It's called. I've never seen a button on the desk. He's got a phone, right? But. He's still got the ability to do it. No, he hasn't. You don't reckon? No, Trump hasn't got the ability to do it. Um, the American Putin. under their under their oh Putin possibly, yeah. but in in America, um, the president can't lawfully make a uh, an order to launch nuclear weapons unless war has been declared by Congress, mm. right? So as much as they say now, that's not a retaliatory thing. If they've got all these missiles incoming, the American president can just unilaterally decide I'm going to launch all my missiles. But if he actually wants to do a nuclear strike, and even one of his generals said, if I got an unlawful command to launch nuclear weapons, I wouldn't do it, right? So him wanting to do it and being able to are two different things. But the world know that, right? Now, we don't know how the Chinese and we don't know how the Russians, their system works. But given that they're dictatorships, I'll leave the Chinese off. The Russians are a dictatorship. I think he probably does have the ability to just decide to do it and do it. I don't think there'll be stop gaps between him and actually being able to do it. Other than little Sputniks, I actually have to push the button saying, fuck this, I'm not doing it. Um, China, I think, probably probably have to answer to the Politburo guys. They've got like 300 guys there. I think he has to answer to them. Um, but I think you're right about Putin with the Hail Mary. That's the one that concerns me because, like, the other thing is, the interesting thing is what you've got to look at is, like, Who's actually spoken to this guy, right? Because you know he does the whole thing, he sits down the other end of the table and all that, right? And I actually looked, there was only a few world leaders who have actually sat with this guy, like face-to-face in the recent times. Uh, Trump was one because yeah. he owned him. And Macron. And the interesting thing about Macron, right, was he saw him and then about three months later he saw him again and he saw him again just before he went into Ukraine and he said, he basically said, that's not the same fucking guy I was talking yeah, to three right. months ago. He's like, something's like kind of snapped and he's like, and he reckons just the body language. And he was kind of like, yeah, three months ago, I thought this guy was predictable. And now he's like. Well, you look at them, you look at them from, um, from, uh, oh, we'll say five years ago to now. Um, he's got the shakes, but yeah. he's getting old. He's what, 71? Yeah. He's got the shakes badly. He's got twitches in his feet. 
he's putting on a lot of weight around of his face. He looks like he's retaining a lot of water. Yeah. And you see the old um, the old shot of him sitting on the horseback with his shirt off, and he looks like Arnold fucking Schwarzenegger. You see him now, and he looks like your fucking granddad pooping in his nappy. Yeah. You know, so so that so that's a that's a worry. Yeah. Well, his time's obviously limited, and there's nothing. He's, he's, there's a lot of fucking pissed off Russians. Well, you know? that, but see, this is this is okay. We'll talk about good outcomes for us. Uh, the Ukraine actually winning militarily, um, I don't think it's an actual option, right? Because when it gets, if it looks like he's going to lose. If it looks like he's genuinely going to lose, I think that the gloves will be off and it'll go back to that thing about Russians aren't squeamish about unrestricted warfare. So I, I think then you are talking chemical weapons, uh, biologicals, fucking napalm, yeah, fuel air bombs, fucking and maybe baby nukes, right? Uh, best thing NATO could do is say that um, any nuclear strike on any European country, whether aligned with NATO or not, is an attack on NATO. That might give them um, pause, might. Um, certainly it would, might give the people around them pause if you actually nuke a European country or anywhere for that matter. Um, when he's dead, it's not over, right? Uh, I think the best scenario for us is you've got all these guys, like um, there's one of the guys done a runner. He's worth like $7 billion, $8 billion. He got out of the country of 14,000 because that's the maximum they're allowed to carry out of the Soviet Union, out of, the Russia, of Russia. Um, they froze all his bank accounts and took all of his money. So the guy just basically left billions behind. Um, I think he realised that his time was up. Um, I think the best scenario for us is a couple of these guys grow a set of balls and decide, look, I don't want to, I like going to Monaco. I like my $800 million yacht. I like caviar. I like fucking Moesha Don. Right? You know, I like banging lingerie models. This isn't going to happen. And even if we get rid of him, unless we're the guys that get rid of him, yeah. it, they need to be able to stand up and say, look, yeah, we had to go along to the point where we had the numbers so we could remove him from power and his cronies. And then hopefully the world would say to him, okay, well, you've been good little good boys. You can have all your billions back. You can have your yachts back. You can have your houses back, right? Um, but they're going to have to step up to do that. Because if they defeat Putin and it's a people's uprising like 1917 and they all get deposed, they're not getting their toys back. So the best best case scenario is when he goes in for fucking cancer surgery, the surgeon just nips an artery, yeah. right? Um, even if he gets a big paper bag full of rubles to do it, that would be the best case scenario. Yeah, for all of us, hopefully. Because yeah. the minute he dies, yeah. they can just say, look, right, okay, he's dead. We're pulling back. We are giving him new corridors. Yeah. We want to pull back. Now that he's done, we want that. This was a foolish, it was a foolish exercise. You know, there's a, the the bit I can't get, like I said, I've made predictions beforehand about the Ukraine having friends. I can't see any Europe. I don't, I don't think it mattered which European country this was. Europe's sick of war, Mm. right? And just the audacity for him to do this, it's such a slap in the face to them. Yeah, and yeah. it's look, it is quite shocking because you know, you know, my son always used to say to me, talk about World War Two and Adolf Hitler. And I was like, How's that shit happened? And I was like, This is how it happened. This is now. how it happened. Turn on the news, it's fucking happening right now. 2014, they went into the Crimea, 2016, they went into the Ukraine, right? Um, I think, and I want, do you want to do conspiracy theories for a, for a minute? Yeah, because you know, I don't do conspiracies, yeah, but I actually 
genuinely believe that fucking that 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 Trump was a is a Putin fucking pawn, right? As you said, people don't get to sit next to him. They go into rooms privately together, right? No American in the, the Helsinki. No Americans mm. except the interpreter in there, right? Yeah, no one, no Americans. Well, there's no copies of what happened in that meeting. Then within months of that, he pulled us out of um, the Middle East. He pulled us out of yeah, supporting Turkey. We, they, they stopped the surveillance of the Ukraine, the Iron Sky, I think they used to call it. So yeah. if he wasn't doing it because he was asked to do it, he was certainly working to fucking Putin's you know, Christmas wish list. Yeah. All the things that made it easy for him. He also alienated, and say what you want about uh, Joe Biden, um, he reunified NATO, right? Trump virtually destroyed it. He was talking about pulling out of it, right? And, you know, every man for himself and rah, rah, rah. So he re- he literally, again, this might be coming through for Putin. It might be coming through his operatives. This is it. We've got all the stuff you wanted from the American administration. They're pretty well out of Europe now, and they've, they're they going to let them fucking go for their own, right? Totally misread that situation as well, mm-hmm. right? And, of course, what they've been telling about is military. So you can see how he got to all of these points. Right, but if you want to talk conspiracies, I genuinely think that um, Trump was working to a fucking Putin wish list. Yeah, speaking so, speaking of Trump, midterms next year. What do you reckon? Is he running? Um, I reckon he's one cheeseburger away from a fucking coronary. <laughs> yeah, that's um, a good point. Him and Joe might be like uh, racing each other. Oh, I, I, Joe won't. Joe won't do. That. We'll get Biden. I, I I I don't like Joe Biden. Um, I know that's a funny thing because of the side of the fence I'm on. And I didn't want him to win, only because I didn't want fucking Trump to be president. Mm. But Joe Biden, he's Beltway Biden, man. He's he's been in American politics for fucking oh, all of his life. He's never had a real job, right? Um, that thing we said earlier about fluffy bunnies in the world, he wanted that world. That's the world I want as well, by the way. You know, where you can go to your bar and you can sit there. He wanted to be the president of a stable world. He didn't get that, right? Um and you can tell because he's not actually working even to a democratic agenda in the US. You know, they go on about you know, universal health care, but he really hasn't done anything about it. And, you know, universal this and universal that. He hasn't really done that. I don't think he'll contest uh, in 2024. So I think Biden um, will be a one term president yeah. if he doesn't die in office. Yeah. Right. Um, and Trump, you reckon he's going to run? Well, see, and we'll get back to Trump. If this thing comes off in the Supreme Court about them actually overturning Roe versus Wade, I don't think the fucking Republicans have got a snowball's fucking chance in hell of winning fucking 2022 uh, midterms, let alone 2024. The Republicans lose the female vote. They don't get back in. It's that simple. Yeah. Right? Um, Now, Trump's base isn't big enough. I personally think he can't. I don't think he can win. Like, he can't win. If he had any, like, he just doesn't have a big enough base, like you said. No, he doesn't have a big enough base. Um, and there's a potential to be in jail by then. Yeah. Right. I don't think uh, that's a bit of a lie as well. I don't think anything that they think he's going to go to jail for, he will. They're not going to. They're not going to pin January sixth on him. Um, all the stuff he done in office, they're not going to get him on that. Right. Even if they did, I highly suspect and this is going to sound funny coming from me. I think even if he did get convicted with anything at that level. Joe Biden would pardon them, right? Mm-hmm. The same as they, um, they pardon Nixon. They're not going to send an American president to jail, no matter how naughty he's been. They'll stop him running for office, but they won't send him to jail. Now, 
it's financial woes in New York, all the frauds that he's committed, which are undeniable. I don't even know he's going to get charged with them because they'll be done by jury. And it takes one person on that jury to think to themselves, he's guilty as fuck, but I like him. He's my president. So I'm voting no. Don't get unanimous. He gets let off, can never be recharged. So unless they can create any, anything they go against them, um, unless they can walk an entire jury of his supporters, 12 of them, from this to here, they can't do it because they're not going to get a conviction. And then he gets to go on about what a witch hunt it was. I was found guilty, you know, not guilty and all of this sort of stuff. Will he run in 2024? I don't think he'll have the means to do it. I think he, he won't get the support of the GOP as much as that. Uh, that Ron DeSantos down in Florida, he wants a crack at it. Yeah. Ted Cruz wants a crack at it. He needs both of them. Um, in the primaries, he's bet them, beat them once before. But I don't think he'll beat them again. Yeah, and that guy that's going for governor in California as well, I think he's going to have a crack. I can't remember his name. But yeah. Is it California? Um, oh, he was on Rogan. I can't remember. I'll have to look it up. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting. And actually, speaking of... Um, politics we'll start wrapping this up soon but yeah, um, we'll move from the Good, us I need another cup of tea. to australia scotty from marketing and um we've got oh, i don't think this will be out until after the election so um we could always record two versions if you like no no i'll but, give uh, you I'll mine say this one thing i'll say you, you, you've pretty much got all the elections since i've known you pretty much got them all bang on we were a bit out on the last state one but it was only the margin really no, I got the margin in the last one. Oh, yeah, Actually, you I was did, right. You did right at the end. Yeah, you were right. Because my local member said to me, "How the fuck did you pick that?" Yeah, yeah. So, what do you reckon? We got, we got, um, yeah, the election coming up in a couple of weeks, and it's looking like it's probably going to be close. No, nah, it's not. You know it's not going to be close now. It's, um, it's a perspective thing. Um, I'm going to do the same as Putin invading. He's going to do it, and he's not going to do it, right? Um, on my calculations, I think Labor is going to get about 78 seats, right? Now, this is where I'm going to contradict myself. Never underestimate the Australian voter. Mm. Fucking Howard couldn't lose that election and he lost. Fucking short yes, last yeah. time. So the electorate isn't as, as, as galvanised one way or the other as it has been in antiquity. Well, at the moment, I think... All things being equal, the Labor will get a majority government. That's what I think. Um, if there's the voters feel so disenfranchised and they start voting independence, I think you'll get a minority Labor government. Now, I don't have a version where the Liberals actually win in my head. But... Uh, the last federal election, I got you know that's the one I got wrong. I, I expected Shorten to win. I, I thought Shorten was going to get fifty-one seats. But having said that, the three bets I put on at the TAV because I'm a betting person, I put uh, fifty-one for the Liberals, same margin for the Labor, and hung Parliament for the uh, my third bet. Right, so then I wasn't one hundred percent sure about it. Um, so I won $1,500 on that because Liberals won at 15 to 1. If you look at the bookies at the moment, they've got the coalition at a dollar, sorry, the coalition $3 to win, uh, the Labor Party $1.30. 
So the bookies, I like to say the bookies aren't wrong children, yeah. but they can be as well. But yeah. so if, if I was going to, I'd say about, yeah, somewhere between 75 and 78 seats in the thing. I think the West Australian ones are going to fall to them. I'm not so sure about Queensland. That's what's giving me pause. But outside of West Australia, New South Wales, Victoria, they're going to hit the Liberals hard, right? Especially New South Wales because all that shit about fucking when uh, Scotty from marketing was divvying out flood relief, suburb A got it because of a coalition, suburb B right next door didn't get it because they were Labor, and then the suburb on the other side did get it. So I think he's um, is his own worst enemy. He won it for them. Scotty from marketing won it for them at the last election. I think he's going to lose it for him this election. Yeah, so seventy-five they're... to seventy-eight. What do you reckon? What's yeah. your what's your take? I think I think I agree because those I did all the numbers myself. I've actually cheated and watched the Sky News like breakdown. Huh. They go through all the seats and those central like Sydney seats. Yeah, and they're already tired. And there's like yeah, I can't. I just can't see the lips winning those ones. Those ones you were talking about back as well. So the, the only other one, South Australia in Adelaide. There's there's a couple there that are close, but. Yeah, I just... The other and thing no is, one knows how the fuck Tasmania's going to vote ever. No, and look, there is still a bit of like, no one really kind of knows because that happens every election. But I noticed with the polls too, right, they're getting reasonably accurate now because what they're doing as well, they're never going to be 100% accurate, but what people don't realise, right, is like, what's the one thing people say, oh, our polls are inaccurate? Well, those people that do the polls, right, they're fucking constantly working and making those things... Change their formulas. It's popular, so they're always updating it. And I noticed now with the new ones... They actually give people like a ballot card. They're trying to replicate the day as much as possible. Now, I don't know whether people still write down on those things what they're going to write down on the day because we've seen it before. Like you said, man, with how people said one thing but they did another. But I think you're right. I think it's going to be close. I think Labor majority first. I, it's going to look. You cannot. You couldn't see them getting less than seventy five. I just don't see that. And possibly if they get 78, I'm pretty sure they, they got that's enough, isn't it? From the oh, no, it's more than enough. More than enough. So I think they're going to, I can't see maybe 74, but that's a bottom line. And look, this independent thing, yeah, like we've seen it, the independent vote go from like sort of, you know, 3% up to like 10%, and then it's slowed the ground. But I just, I don't, we've got a two party system, that's all there is to it. I think you'll find most people. A few independents will get in, and sure they might have a bit of power, but I think I think Labor's going to have enough to put it together. And the other thing is, let's not go into all the shit that Liberal did wrong. The fact that they got the pandemic on their watch, and I think the same thing probably would have happened to Labor. It was just poison chalice. I was, yeah. And unless Labor did a much better job of like dealing with it, of course. And that's and why the the, the Mar- uh, McGowan aspect of it is because that's what they all do. They point to McGowan and say, "There's a Labor government." who had control, and this is how it came out of it. And look, you can't, uh, at the end of the day, you can argue about what you get right, but at the end of the day, the death rate, right? Oh, the results. You can't fucking argue that. Ends and means. So, yeah, I think that's probably where we're headed. And look, I I don't know that uh, Albanese is not exactly, like, inspiring. But that's what people forget about Australians. We don't, the guy at the top, he's not Putin. Yes. Right, and he's not the president. Good. He's not even John Boris Johnson. That's what I was just about to say. I think he's actually got a half decent team. That's it. Him. If you listen to people, the other thing is as well is, and we've done it to Rudd, whether you like Rudd or not. He was only in the office for a year. He reneged on two promises: one is he's going to bring in a carbon tax, and one is he's going to bring in a mineral resources tax. Became unpopular, so he ran away from it. So his own party ousted him. 
Now, he claims it was a miscarriage and that, but you can't go in with major contracts. You can't do a John Howard. Uh, I have election promises, then I have core election promises. What are they? They're the ones that I actually really want to keep, right? So um, Albanese, if he, he gets in and he doesn't do a good job, then he will get ousted by his own party. We Like, as much as I go on, we've had five prime ministers in five years and all that shit, that's actually how it should be. If you have a leader who's not performing for your people, right, and if he's taking the country in the wrong direction, um, and I'll be honest with you, we'll talk about Scotty. Uh, even though it was too close to the election, uh, Friedenberg or Dutton should have made it a challenge. we done it three months out. Fair enough, we got our asses spanked. Um, obviously, by saying that, people, you realise I'm left-wing leaning with most of my political yeah, so affiliations. Yeah, no, I, yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I am left-wing, although um, not extreme as I used to be, probably becoming more of a centralist now. Um, but there's um, no, I vote Labor. That's 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 my my, my side of the fence. Um, which is why I can tell you I think McGowan's a twat because he's on my side of the fence. So it actually has more credibility coming from me than a Liberal supporter. Um, but the uh, Scotty should have been deposed by his own people. Mr Potato Head, uh, Peter Dutton, he should have probably made a challenge against them even three or four months out. I think that would be their only genuine hope at things because all the things that they tar and feather, we won't talk about his failures, but his character seems to be coming out that he's a cut-and-run merchant. It's always someone else's fault. Uh, he's never responsible. And that's what he's doing. And the fact that when the, the, the leader of the you know, France says he's a liar and when it's leaked that Brett Jilkin said he was a liar and all these other people, um, everything they say about him basically boils down to his character being a false Christian and a liar and skipping responsibility. He's like a naughty teenager. Yeah, in a household. I didn't do it. It wasn't me. It was Ira's fault. He, yeah, so. Um, Australians particularly don't like that. No, we don't. No. That thing about what we're talking about, about we always think what's best for mateship in the country. you got a guy there who's saying, you know, I don't hold a hose and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I will give him a little bit of a, 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 a free sort of pass on going to Hawaii, right? Technically, he doesn't actually hold a hose. <laughs> Right, so now it's not to saying he shouldn't have been involved in it and he shouldn't have kept in touch, but I, I still think that even as a politician, you are allowed to family time. Fair enough, you may maybe the political thing is so. Look, I'm going to put it off a couple of weeks, but you know, guy yeah. I work for would have preferred me to stay back from Broome last week because we we're really really busy, but I still went on holidays. You know, so I don't begrudge him that one. I but think it's just a silly thing to say. The way he said it, it, yeah, it, it, it's, 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 it's his own word. For a guy who comes from a marketing background, he was a marketing exec. How he can't market himself totally, totally blows me away. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, anyway, I need a cup go. of tea. So yeah, man, just want to say thanks. So yeah, I, said, easy, I always enjoy our chats, man. They're always like probably some of the best chats I have with anybody, and that's what podcasts are all about—just chatting and talking. So. Thanks, man. Did you have any shout-outs or anything you wanted to add at the end? No, I don't want to do a shout-out, but I do want to say something. Don't believe anything I say and don't believe anything Ira says. Fact-check people. I've said some things today. I'm going to go home and check because I may have got some of it wrong, but it would be the advice I give to everyone. It doesn't matter. You're going to find people out there that are going to be charismatic and you're going to want to believe them. 
right? But it doesn't necessarily mean they're like us, you know, Jim Jones, all those guys. Like you can have cult leaders. Fact check everything. If I say it and I'm wrong, I hate being wrong. What I hate more is telling people things that are wrong that I think are right, right? So I don't care if I'm wrong. If you tell me I'm wrong and I turn out to be wrong, my guilt is that I gave you bad information. So always fact check. Um, and it will come easier. You will eventually get people that you listen to and watch and what they teach and tell you bears true 98% of the time, right? And the other couple of percent of time, it's because they've misinterpreted. But you've got to pick out who those people are and it's going to take you a long time to work out who those people are. I'm not one of them because... I do change my opinions quite regularly as I get new information, as should you. But that's all I'd say. The best thing I could say to anyone is fact check, fact check, fact check. Yeah. And that's it. And I'll back that up by saying, look, this is a big part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast is because hey, I love talking. But, you know, you know, like I, I, I like all different opinions because, like, with this whole censorship thing that's going on now, we've figured out, like, this is the thing, I'll just say this real quick. Say you're standing in a circle, right? Everyone goes around and have a say. The Nazi guy wants a say, right? Everyone says, no, no, don't let him talk. He's a fucking Nazi, right? No, I disagree with that, right? You should let that guy talk, right? Because that's how we know it's a fucking stupid idea. Yeah. Oh, all I want to do is kill Jews. Okay, that's a fucking stupid idea. Next, right? So by censoring people, right, by censoring people, it's not the answer, right? So this big part of this is like, you know, I've got a lot of friends and my mate's bragg he's been really successful on a world level. And so I'm I'm really interested in like, yeah, picking people's brains and what you said. Like Rogan says the same thing, right? Don't believe anything I say, right? But as I've been going through these podcasts and I talk about different things and depression comes up and other subjects, so like I always tell people like, well, okay, this is what's worked for me, right? And, you know, you listen to like 10 me's and then you're going to get a, pretty good picture of like you know what you need to do so yeah thanks again man i'm gonna wrap easy, it up. easy man but um yeah hopefully you are going to be like a semi-regular because as people say you're quite entertained to listen to when you and you know your shit so yeah thanks again man and um, next time we'll we'll touch on because people don't know as well that you are actually running the medieval society in wa and i want to talk to you a bit about that and medieval times and uh, maybe Oak Island, and um, I'm sure there'll be some oh, politics yeah. to talk about as well. Always politics. All right, man. Thanks a lot, man. Okay, thanks Appreciate for having it. me, Ira. Cheers. <laughs> Intense chemistry, they expect the list when we sell.